Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Cause I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 110 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC Ephrage, and we are joined by, I think, our favorite recurring guest. Uh, we may say that to everybody, but Kevin, I think we mean it with you. Uh, Kevin Tarka, founder, creator, president, chief everything officer of uh, KTA, Creation Talent Agency, aka Kevin Tarka Agency, as I, uh, uh, I like to call it. <laughs> uh, but what's up, Kevin? Welcome to the pod, man. What's happening, fellas? It feels like uh, feels like yesterday that we we recorded that first one, which is I think you noted it. it it's been two years or more, dude. No, it might have been. I thought more it was more. You. No, I thought it was. It had to be. It was pre-pandemic for sure. It was pre-pandemic, yeah. but then we had a couple of your players on, so we've had yep. a couple like instances of uh, KTA on the pod. But um, yeah, it's been way That's too right. long. That's I think right. it was Austin yeah, Tillman. That's right. And I'm blanking on the Dojo, other. Um, oh my god! Oh, Dojo, Dojo Cooper. Cooper. Yes, Dojo Cooper. Right. Yeah, man, that's actually really interesting. Maybe we talk about it later. But yeah, they're not they're not my clients anymore. One's one's still playing, doing really well, and one's one's not. And yeah, interesting. That that's actually I I might need to go back to those podcasts and uh, and learn from them and see what I did <laughs> what I did wrong or what what they did wrong. Um. All right, man. Let's jump in. We got a we got a lot of fun things to talk about tonight. Um. Let's let's get the three letters out of the way early. Uh, NIL. Um, you know, I I'm anxious to get your thoughts on it because you've been immersed in the basketball world for I mean the beginning of time at least in, even before I knew you. Um, so not you know you have you're gonna have a very like unique perspective on it. But what have you heard, seen, witnessed, uh, talked to college coaches about, or even college athletes about, like? Where do you think it's at in its evolvement? Um, and is it helping or hurting right now? I mean, I'm, I'm by no means an expert. Uh, just like you guys, I'm reading something new every day. Um, it's really hard to wrap my head around it, but I, I definitely have a few thoughts on it. I mean, first and foremost, um, about damn time, right? Like, obviously, yeah. this has been in the works for a while. We know athletes should, should have been getting paid. Um, I believe in free markets and, and, and I believe athletes should be getting paid to leverage their platforms and all that stuff. Um, today, more than ever, obviously, with, with the way that technology is advancing. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think some of the headlines are a bit crazier than the reality of the majority of what's happening. Right. So, like, don't get me wrong. The, the, the amount of money that I've heard and I've seen and we've all read the articles, the million dollar deals, the seven hundred thousand dollars for transferring like that shit's crazy. Like that, crazy. that, that is why that is wild to think about. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, uh what's his name? Uh, uh, at Kentucky, I'm going to mispronounce the name, uh, uh, Toshibwe, uh, oh, at Kentucky yeah. Oscar, or, or yeah. Or, uh, or, you know, a five-star quarterback or the Cavender twins, right. They made it, they made a million dollars on July 1st at midnight, right. Last year. Um, oh. which is, which is absurd. Wow. Um, don't quote me on that, but they made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so for, for me, my takeaway from the beginning is kind of similar to my takeaway now. It's like there's there's two directions. One direction is those top athletes, um, no matter what sport, that can make tons of money. They're just going to have that um, that that electricity. They're going to have the name. They're going to have the following. They're going to they're going to have the platform for brands to be like, hey, let's do a a, a national deal or let's let's pay you this amount of money. Um, and then there's the other path, which is everyone else. Right. So it's, it's, it's going to be, and in this path, which I think NF, um, not NFTs, NIL uh, really means is entrepreneurship. That's all it is. And so NIL is entrepreneurship. It means like you have to be a salesperson for yourself. You have to understand what it means to be able to leverage your name, image, and likeness. Right. So, um, you know, I think, I think what I usually go to is last summer, there was like a, you know, the clock struck midnight and then all you see scrolling down your feeds are, are guys like doing selfies and girls doing selfies say, yo, like, um, hit me up and pay me. And like, I get it, <laughs> you know, like, I'm not trying to like be, be, yeah, yeah, be yeah. rude or mean here, but like, yep. no there wasn't, really there wasn't a lot of strategy behind it. 
no one really cares. And so, you yeah. know, I think being educated on, on like what that means, like, you know, d- to teaching players and athletes how to sell themselves is going to yeah. benefit them long-term, but also take advantage of their platform. Right. So the example I give is, is the Kevin Tarkers of the world. Although, you know, I love my seven career points that anytime I get a platform like this to tell people I scored seven career points, I will. It's, it's not going to get me a deal with Gatorade, but I'll tell you what I could have done is I had a lot of friends on campus. You know, people wanted me to go in the game. Like I had a platform. I had an audience. I could say, Hey, you know, local bar, local restaurant, local coffee shop. How about I bring 25 of my friends in once a week for a pregame uh, and we can do a podcast and we can whatever, and I can get 5% of the revenue. Just as simple as that. Like, you know, you, that involves some creativity. And then, um, you know, on the business side, it's like, do you, you know, do, do, do players understand how to open an LLC or like, Hey, if you're getting two grand this month, or if you're getting 800 grand this year, you're not really getting two grand or 800 grand. You have to pay taxes. That's, that's this thing called taxes. Right. And so um, it's just really interesting the way that it's shaking out. I think those are the main two direction directions that everyone's going. Um, and, and then I think, you know, for the first path, I kind of skipped over, but what I've been seeing is really just collectives, right? Like collectives yeah. have been the yeah. thing, which essentially to my knowledge is uh, for lack of better terms, a venture capital fund where anyone just creates a company whether it's a booster or somebody that lives down the street or someone that wants the, the, the program to succeed. And they say, Hey, I have a lot of money or let's raise a lot of money and let's give it to student athletes. And since they can't be paid for play, uh, why don't you tweet something or why don't you come speak to some, yep. I don't know, a class of 12 year olds and boom, here's 50 K. Yep. And, and, and like, again, it, it's just weird. Like it's this weird reaction of like, they, they deserve it. They earn it. Right. Like, Hey, the price of something is what someone's willing to pay. But then it's kind of like, what, what are the, what are the repercussions of that? And, and, and that's what worries me to kind of wrap up this tangent here is like, you know, are some of these kids and yes, they're kids. Okay. They're becoming adults, but I was still a kid in college, but you know, if they're coming into large sums of money, do they understand how to do some of this other stuff and, 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 and put the proper team around them? Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think, know the answer to that. I, yeah, man. I think quickly though, we, we, it, for the top 1%, because again, you're right. There's one, there's two different conversations. So we tend to always focus on the top 1%. And that's what I'm going to talk about here is yep. we've, we've gone to a pay for play model. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this money is contingent on you committing to Auburn football. Uh, no, no. And so it's not, I committed to Auburn football and then I went to open doors and I got a deal. It's I'm committing because I know I'm getting this deal. And that's where it's like, that's, this is what I asked Matt Brown on last episode or two episodes ago was like, isn't that what we had, but it was illegal. Like, didn't we drop the bag? So you committed and now we're dropping the bag and tweeting about it. And you're committing. Didn't we just shift this to like, we just deem it legal now. Yeah. Or am I, it, am I, am I missing? No, no, no. It's, it, 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 it's, it's all disguised in NIL. It, like it, it's all disguised in like this, yeah. this small framework of, of regulations from the NCAA, which doesn't really mean anything. Um, but it's just yeah. a way of kind of getting around it for now. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a bandaid to the problem, to be honest. Right. It's a bandaid no. to the overarching problem of like, it, you know, uh, uh, real market value of student athletes and like the, the, the coach payments and it's, it's, should they be paid or not? Should they be employees or not? It's a bandaid. It's a, it's a good bandaid for now. Good right? Stop the, yeah. stop the bleeding. I mean, some people are, are, are bandaged all up and down the body, right? If we're going on that analogy, like it's good, but, uh, but you're right. It's just kind of like, okay, well, where's the, there's a big gray area and like who's involved, who's allowed to be involved. Coaches call me a lot. Obviously I'm not going to say any names, but they're like, Hey, what, like, we want to do shit the right way here, but like, what do we do? I mean, what is the yeah. right way? Yeah. And there, I know right. and there's coaches calling other coaches. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and like, I, I've literally heard direct stories the same way. It's saying, Hey, we just lost out on a kid because this school, this school, this school is doing X, Y, Z. What are you guys doing? And how are you doing it? So that we're not bought, like, we didn't miss the boat here. And, and, and I think um, it's a lot of it is perception too. It's like, okay, well, what, what opportunities do you have? So the tough part here is 
I, 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 I'm, um, my job and college coaches job recruiting wise, like as from like an agent or management perspective to college coaches, it's, it's the same, right? We got to tell kids what they need to hear, but when they, when they hear what they need to hear, they only hear what they want to hear. And then they go somewhere else because someone else tells them that and it's not greener on the (laughs) other side. So same thing. So it's like, it's like, okay, well, Hey, Hey coach, like, what do you got for me for NIL? Well, you know, we have some resources, we have a collective, you're going to get your fair market value, blah, blah, blah. They could do things the right way. Um, and then the kid can get there and like not get paid and then want to transfer. Or it's like, you know, like they're, they don't understand that it's not just, you can't just write a check. I mean, I guess that's the, that's the tough part is you can, <laughs> like you can't. We're going to so, experience it uh, though. Just We're not for everybody. That point where that cut is the check has been cut. And then if it's after a year and thinking that it's going to be for longer than a year or whatever it may be, or didn't work out and there's going to be feelings hurt. There's going to be well, a lot of things, a lot of, ways that that people are going to go about wait a second that's not what i signed up for that's not what i wrote my check for and like it it just i don't think we've seen it yet 100 percent, or at least above ground but it's inevitable what this what this creates is um another opportunity well i don't know if it's opportunity but maybe a hassle for some some teams but it it needs another you need more more guidance you need another position on staff you need more and and, you know i think we'll get into that a little bit later but like it just there's a shift on like there's there needs to be another person in the mix um, that helps with this stuff because then, then you say, okay, well, now, now, now this player is worrying about fulfilling all of the, all of the benefits they have to fulfill for this 20 K or for this two K or for this 800 K. And if we're talking big time, then, you know, maybe they have a lot of stuff they got to do. They got to make sure they're posting twice a day. They got to make sure they're at this appearance. They got, so do, do they have a full time? I know they could have an agent and a marketing agent that got the deal, but are they being checked on? Is, is somebody monitoring that from both the brand side or the, or the fulfillment side to the athlete side? And it just, again, there's more, there's more work to be done. And, you know, uh, I guess this benefit comes with consequences that are good and bad. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, we've seen it in public and, and, uh, and some assumptions, um, but it may help the college game, strictly college basketball. Like, Hey, if, if I'm a fringe guy, and I and and Kentucky says, I mean, we we saw it with Shibwe, right? He was going to get three yeah. million to stay. You know, he probably would have gotten more, probably, but not guaranteed going to the draft. And it's like this this is that's good for college basketball, I think. Uh, you know, we get another year of a great player of the fringe guys. Yeah, you're right. You're, yeah, and we didn't talk about that. I mean, there, there's it, it it presents opportunities for sure. Like it's going to it's definitely going to make the college game better because you're going to attract more talent. And, you know, depending on the situation, like, okay, if we're talking about guys that are non-draft board guys, of course, it's tough to generalize. Every case is is different, but it's like you can continue your education and get paid 50K and, and, and have yeah. fun and, like, you know, build your relationships and network. Like, there's a lot of pros to that. Now, again, I'm not advising that. It depends on the situation. If you're going to be a pro, there's also advantages to going to start your pro, your pro career early. But, again, 98%, you're going to go start in some farm village in Lithuania or the third division of wherever and make $1,000 a month and maybe not get paid and get cut. So there's balances, right? You, who knows? So um, do you – I'm, I'm going to uh, toss you a curveball. This question wasn't on our uh, approved list. But um, so two things. One, tell me about your visit to Atlanta to overtime. And two, does NIL hurt overtime? Because that was their entire thing. It's like, don't go. We will pay you. Uh, you're going to get all these uh, uh, advertising, marketing opportunities, blah, blah, blah. My take on overtime really quick is like money is great. Opportunity is great. But playing Kentucky, Louisville, Duke, Carolina, Xavier, uh, Cincinnati, like you can't beat that. Like you're a part of something for the rest of your life. Maybe in 25 years, overtime will have that. But man, that's a hell of a hell of a different decision. For sure. Um, yeah. So, so I'll kind of generalize and give a couple of like feedback points here. Um, it's, it was a, it was a great experience to see. Like I, I was kind of, you know, I, I, I went to just kind of check it out and, 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 and learn and observe and, you know, grateful that I was allowed in, 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 you know, in, and, you know, to be able to build those relationships. But it, it, it was just, it was almost like overwhelming at first because it's such a crazy project a good one, I think, a really good one, but it's like you have over time this 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 huge media company that's kind of mixed with you know the whole idea of paying talented players what they deserve at a young age, 
that's mixed with like startup feel. And so it's just, there's a lot of, it's just a lot. And you, you know, I, I think from a, from an open free market perspective, I love it because it's like, look, if there's, if there's a, if there's demand for this, which there are, there are a lot of talented basketball players and there should be other paths like the NCAA yeah. for all the positive things that we have. Like, cool. If a kid doesn't want to go to college, which, you know, great, go do you and take advantage of your skills uh, somewhere else and get paid to do it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, but I think it's similar to just like the NIL stuff and similar to the way that colleges have issues is where, you know, if, if kids are going to be, and those are kids, cause we're talking high schoolers, if yeah. they're going to be given a, an X, X amount of money, like, I mean, can you imagine like, you know, my, my f- senior year of high school, let alone anything earlier than that, just getting a check for 20 K I'm not talking about 50 or 70 or hundred. It's just, so I think you have similar issues where I don't know about issues, but similar things to, to think about. Right. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, look, the, the people involved with that project are amazing. Yeah, um, they obviously, you know, they're obviously funded by high level experienced people that have decision-making power um, and have been, you know, both retired NBA athletes and then CEOs of companies and everything in between. So I think it's great. I mean, I think the, the, the business model is interesting, you know, giving that much money and equity to certain kids, like how do you sustain that from a business model? But again, like technology and sponsorship and advertising and media, all that's involved with it. So it's, it's really interesting. I, I mean, I, you know, that's kind of my, my main like takeaways and, and, and we'll see, like they have an opportunity to leverage some of the best players in the world, whether they start trying to bring additional uh, international young players over or vice versa or playing different teams in different places. I think it's really interesting. It's going to be an interesting project to, uh, to, to keep an eye on. And now I guess to your second part about the NIL thing, I forget what the exact question was. Basically, Um, you know, I think that hurts overtime's model because now you can go to Kentucky and make money. Whereas before it was just Kentucky. Well, so here's the interesting part is that, with NIL and depends on the states and depends on the team and, and you know, different state situations and how the laws change. But don't forget that some, like if you're a high schooler, unless your state does not allow it, you can get NIL deals in high school. Yeah. That's so, right. so, that's so, right. I mean, they, they already announced, what was it? Uh, it was actually shortly after I, 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 I checked it out that Monsieur Cunningham from Jersey, um, is going down there, but they announced that he's not getting paid. He's they're trying it with him, the NIL pass. So he's keeping his college eligibility. Interesting. Which is really, and that's a whole nother, like, okay, you got yeah. all these guys that are on contract get paid. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, um, I love that someone was bold enough to do a project like that. I, I, yeah. I, I really um, respect a lot of the people that are involved from Kevin Ollie to Tim Fanning and everyone in between. And then the, you know, the, the overtime people, I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's great. So I'm going to be excited to follow. Love it. Um, all right, let's jump into you. Uh, talk to us about the last two years and what the hell it has been like to navigate uh, trying to get guys placed, playing um, all the different COVID protocols in all of the different countries that you got, you had guys in. Like, I mean, you know, I'm happy you still are uh, alive. <laughs> I um well if if I was going to kind of give you a play by play we might be here until uh, until summer league so I'll just kind of give you a summary but um yeah it's been look it's it's like everyone covid has an, had a had its negative effects for obvious reasons but it also provided opportunities I think um you know I mean just generally speaking the last two years have for sure been challenging they've been at sometimes exhilarating uh frustrating for sure tiresome no doubt but um you know it's 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 all good I think you know for me it's just the way that I've operated uh is to have perspective anyways and like a um like I said, I think when, when we uh, opened the call, I'm living and breathing. And so like today's a good day. Um, and then also, you know, I have to remind myself, like, this is the path I chose, you know, like if, if, if everyone, you know, if it was easy, then everyone would be good at it. And, you know, I picked one of the most cutthroat um, slash sometimes corrupt slash sometimes like no business model business. And, uh, and that's, that's what I'm in. You know, I, I think for me, it's just, it's a, it's a challenge and I enjoy it. Um, but it definitely comes with its pros and cons. Um, just, I guess, real briefly. So when COVID hit, yeah, it was kind of a nightmare. I mean, it was, it was frustrating because you had to balance the fact that like, look, um, 
you had to take care of your clients and you had clients, families calling you and you had, you know, they, they didn't know what was going on. And then um, you had to balance the fact with like, the teams are going through that too. So from a, from a personal standpoint and like a life human standpoint, then to like, okay, now we're talking about contracts. Well, geez, this is a nightmare. It's like, yeah, you know, teams are like, well, oh, we have no money, which again is a tangent for a whole nother day of how, European basketball's in shambles. Um, there are a lot of good people and some good teams, but just the, the business model in general, it's like, okay, well, some, something hits uh, and you rely on on money from an owner, 60% of your budget or one sponsor, and then they go bankrupt, what happens, right? So that was a, that was a nightmare. And then you have certain countries, um, uh, not to uh, not to look down upon Turkey because I, I Istanbul has been one of my favorite cities and trips ever, and they have a lot of good people there, but that was tough. I had a client in Turkey and... Turkey for, you know, whatever reason, politically, they just decided that like, even through mid-April, like it wasn't a thing, like COVID wasn't a thing. And so yeah. it was like, well, like, I, I, Hey, right or wrong. I, I need to make sure my guy's good. And like, you know, he's trying to get out of there and they're not trying to pay for the flight home. And it was, it was, it was tough, but it, you know, again, I, I think life could have been much worse. Um, you know, obviously everyone came out alive and healthy. And so, yeah, it, it was, it was challenging. It was definitely Definitely something that we're going to look back on and be like, wow, remember that time when we had to try and get clients out of Europe uh, during COVID? Like, that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so that, was, uh, that was a bit challenging. And then, uh, yeah, fast forward to now. I mean, obviously, since last time we were on the pod, um, you know, I definitely want to go back and kind of listen to that and listen to my mindset. But uh, it's, it's been, you know, I, 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 I am shifting a little bit now, not shifting, not pivoting, but trying to take different approach, different strategy a little bit. Um, you know, the past several years has been great. I've been, um, you know, obviously representing players and going rep uh, solely representing them. I, I, I've had my FIBA license. I got my NBA license at one point. I actually did not renew that. And, um, and, and for, for a couple of reasons, but I've been working directly with teams overseas and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's great because it's sales. All you need is one. Um, but at the same time, there are so many variables and question marks that are going against you as a boutique independent agent in this business that it's like, for me, it's like, I'm almost a little stubborn and like, oh, that's a challenge. Oh, I can't do it. I'm going to do it. But then it's like, all right, well, let's, let's figure out a way to work smarter, not harder. Um, and so, you know, now it's kind of like, okay. And, and naturally guys either fire you or, or retire or go to med school or quit or whatever, take a job. Like that's happened all of the above. And so I've kind of this year whittled down a little bit. And, um, I have four, four player clients, um, that I'll, that I'll update you on in a second. Um, and then I'm working with one rookie. I didn't really recruit this year. Um, and then, uh, and then I actually jumped into uh, coach representation as well. Um, so first, uh, player rep, um, you know, so, so right now my clients are, uh, Jimon Henson just finished his, his, uh, rookie se season overseas in the country of Georgia, um, did very well there, averaged uh, 14, 15 points and proved that he can play a couple of different positions. So he's going to be trying to take a step up this summer to some first division leagues in Central Europe. Um, Donovan Smith played his fifth, I believe his fifth professional season in Cyprus. Um, and uh, he did great. He, he nearly averaged double-double and he's a 6'10 monster that can shoot threes better than most guards in that league. He shot nearly 40%. So he's got an exciting future. Um, and then Anthony Green is in Australia in NBL one. Uh, he's another athletic big man that uh, their season's actually going on right now. So I have those three guys that either just finished their season or just started their season. Jaquiel Taylor is another big guy who's had a nagging injury. He just got surgery. So he's rehabbing. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, you know, for me, the, the, the shift has been, okay, how can I, you know, how can I take what I've learned from repping those guys where I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of stress and a lot of in quotes selling um, for very little or yep. Still haven't got paid yet uh, money from a lot of clubs. Right. So yeah. um, th that was kind of why I shifted a little bit this year. I didn't really recruit because I knew I couldn't really help a lot of guys that were at that level again. Um, at least I couldn't give them the time of day. And so, uh, the one rookie I'm working with is Peter Kiss, uh, which actually I don't, I don't know if I updated you guys on, but yeah. So Peter Kiss, so I'm so. co-repping co Peter with uh, with another agent, Dan Curtin, uh, and for me, uh, I'm very excited to learn kind of like a new strategy in co-repping because I've never done it before. Um, I will. Is that common? Um, uh, I mean, I guess not really. Okay. It's not really common. Um, when when we're talking internationally, it's common. 
very mm-hmm. common. Actually, it's very, very rare to do what I did and go direct to teams coming from the States. Um, but here in the States, it's not really common to co-rep a player unless it's some sort of relationship. Um, and so I, I won't speak too, too much on like the specifics on the agency side, just simply because, you know, we're, we're it's new and we're kind of trying to figure it out and out of respect to kind of what's going on. You know, it's, it's fun for me because, you know, I, I get to take a little bit off my shoulders in terms of responsibilities. I get to really build a relationship, uh, continue that relationship with Pete, make sure he's good. And then also learn from Dan, who, who I really trust as a, as a, as a human and as an agent has done some great things. And so, um, yeah, it, it's definitely exciting, but I can speak on Pete. Um, I don't know if, if, if you're familiar with Pete, but yeah, Pete, Pete, uh, Pete play, finished uh, at Bryant and, and he actually yeah. led the country in scoring. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's just an exciting player. I mean, he, uh, He's, uh, he's what I, what I look for when I, when I talk about what I look for in recruiting, he's got the X factor, the it factor. Like you just look at a player's eyes on the court and you're like that, like, I want that dude on my team. Right. And, um, you know, he can obviously score. He he averaged 25 points a game, six rebounds, three assists. He did a lot for Bryant and, um, he's a competitor. He can get to the rim better than anyone I've seen in a while. He's super shifty athletic. And, uh, he reminds me a lot of, of Jeremy Lin's game, to be honest. Um, he can crash the boards. He's a gnat on defense. He dives on loose balls. He's energetic. And so I'm, I'm really excited for him. I think he has a very, very, um, very exciting future, whether that means, um, you know, he's, he's already been in a handful of workouts with several NBA teams. He's got probably five or six more workouts um, and then hopefully summer league. And, and, you know, like, like I tell him uh, guys in that position, if you're not a draft pick, uh, if you're sorry, if you're not a lottery, everything's a question, right? Yeah, Even if no you doubt. are 30, 10, 12, you know, 14, it's a question. No Take advantage of the opportunity you get, go get paid to play the game you love and earn it. Right. And yep. so that's, that's, uh, that's what Pete's doing. So I'm excited about Pete. Nice. Good, man. Speaking of obviously NBA draft workouts and kind of shifting over to, to that draft. um, If you're Orlando, who are you taking? What are your thought? What's your thought process going into that when you're evaluating your current roster, the crop of guys that we have, which it seems like this is one draft. I mean, from my perspective, I think in one of the first we've had in a few years that you could make a case for three, four, maybe four, maybe even five guys to go number one. So curious to hear your, your, uh, your take on and who you would take if you were Orlando. For sure. And so I, I think, uh, this is just a great like conversation because if anyone tells you, even from a front office, they're like, yeah, like this is exactly who we need to take and why. I mean, obviously I would hope the front office like actually has reasons for that, but you, you don't know if that's the right answer for at least three years. Yeah. Right. Three to four years. No and doubt. So for, for me, it's like, okay, there's so many variables. Like do you know, if, um, uh, and, and, and again, transparently kind of catching up with like down to the nitty gritty of, of, of like the NBA draft, since I took a little bit of a step back from it this year, it's like, okay, Orlando needs shooting, right? Well, cool. Everyone needs shooting, but you know, does that mean <laughs> that you take, um, you know, that you take Jabari first pick? I don't know. I mean, how do you justify not taking the best available on the board if that's Chet? See that. So that's my question. Are you a believer in draft the best or draft what you need? Because that's that's essentially the crux of almost every draft pick, right? Like, and and arguing against the the first, it seems obvious, right? Like, why would you not get the best? And to your point, where is Zion right now? On like a good pick, a bad pick. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to come back and be healthy. But to your point, you don't know if it's a good pick for three years and we're on your three. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, who knows the answer to that question. My my take is like, it's case by case. So if you're, if you're a team that is like, Hey, we're projecting out a couple of years and you know, we think this player's value is going to far exceed this other players, even though this other player might help us now in this role, Maybe we could use that first pick as a draft or as a trade asset and be able to trade that matters. Right. So some teams might say, screw it. You know, like so, someone that has decision power might say, um, Hey, I don't want to be fired in three years. Let's win now and worry about that later. No. Some are the opposite. I mean, you know, again, I, I mean, Ben Carroll, I know that's your, that's your boy. Like I, there's arguments to take him because he's yeah. just, I think he can have a very, very long NBA career. Yeah. Right. And he's a guy that can do a lot of things like all these guys are I'm, personally Chet, Chet's a 
Chet's a freak. I, I personally, I'm a big Chet fan. I can't um, wait to see him in the league, man. He it's, I mean, just watching him run is, is well, entertaining. Yeah. Like it really is <laughs> like a gazelle, right? He's, but he, he, uh, uh, yeah, he's just he's just a specimen, right? Specimen. All these guys are, relatively speaking, right? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, just watching watching him, you're just like, okay, he just he sticks out like a sore thumb. Like that guy is just yep. is just playing with these guys. Like he's he could do this against against NBA players. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 excited to see. It. And then the other thing I was talking about before, even you know when I was telling you about Pete, is like for me personally, I'm just a not for right or wrong or you have to, but I'm a I'm a character guy i'm an energy guy like you don't have to be a vocal leader you don't have to be a you don't have to have that it factor you can be more quiet and actually i think i think chet's relatively quiet versus like the antics that he you know gets uh gets a rep for but when you listen to interviews of him speak he's got that like that's a confident MF-er. dude he, he's got that mf in him like no 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 that this, this this is my show oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, um he's he's humble enough but he's He's super confident. He's got that little bit of grit swag to him that you're like, all right, this dude, this dude's coming to battle. Like he knows that he's got to take his boy's job when he's on the, when he's on the floor. Right. Yeah. And they could be boys off the court, but like, he's going to do it. Yeah. That's me personally. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Orlando, if you're listening, I don't know if that helped or if that hurt you, but. Yeah. I do think the one interesting thing about this, you've got obviously Jabari Chet, you've got these long kind of rangy forwards where Orlando has over the years has had like a type essentially. And it's been kind of whether they've worked out or not, like a Mo Bamba, a Jonathan Isaac, um, yeah, guys they like that. Do. And, and it's, and, and it's interesting. I mean, obviously they went with, they've kind of built their backcourt of Suggs and Cole Anthony. And now it's just, it's just figuring out, all right, which is, which is the right piece. And it's ironically enough, there's a lot of similarities, but there's also so much different, in the game of Chet versus um, Paolo a key, or uh, a Keegan Murray, who's been creeping 100%. up there. Yep. Um, your, your, your boy, uh, again, I just say, say your boy, I love saying your boy for Duke Paul, but yeah. Oh, uh, AJ all... Griffin has been creeping up there. Yep. That's I really know. Paul's boy. He's, of all, he's, I think of all the Duke guys, that's Paul's, that's Paul's guy. He's such a toss up. He's such an enigma to me, man. Like part, part of my brain goes, it nothing matters about him because he can shoot. And if you can shoot right now in the NBA, you will find a place. That's half of my brain. The other half of my brain is he's, he's got bad knees. He's, he's already had bad injuries and he's 20, 20 years old, 19, 20, 21. Um, and he's weird. Like he's athletic, but kind of not he's fast, but kind of not, he would get beat on defense, but then like lock up a good, he it's just, I, I don't have enough, tape on him yet right like i just don't know but then i always come back to can you shoot like if you can shoot you will find a home in this league right now yeah right now you will i think agreed um all right so i want to get your thoughts on expansion in the nba which adam silver really just put the kibosh on um in a recent (laughs) uh interview or whatever press conference but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, there are 390 NBA players right now, I think. Um, one Adding one team is inviting 13 players. So, you know, the, the, the initial uh, reports were, oh my God, it's going to water it down. Like, yo, there are 13 studs who can join a team right now and nothing would change. Now, if you invite six teams, that may not be the case. And I don't know if we'll ever get to that. But what are your thoughts on expansion overall? Like, is there is if it's not broke, don't fix it, or is there a need? So if you if, if you count the fifteen roster spots total, 15, 15. Okay, I thought okay, it was okay, okay, a little more, right? So four fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think. I mean, that's actually a good point to think about for an expansion team because then you say, okay, are there you know out of the top four fifty, you got like you know the ten percent of really really all stars, and you got like the you know next fifteen, then like you know seventy five percent of the NBA or seventy percent of the NBA. Nothing against them could be interchanged with overseas. Like, are there is there enough talent to be there? But I think it. I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think that that will drastically um, decrease the age of the NBA or the age of the teams that you know bring in players for future development. But expansion, in my mind, is 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 inevitable. I mean, I remember being in Europe in 2018, 2017, and just hearing whispers of like, you know, Oh, maybe, maybe over in Belgrade or maybe over in Paris. Yeah. Like an international. Yeah. 
I, I mean, that's a, that's, there's no doubt. I don't know when, maybe in 20 years or maybe in 10 years, I don't know about next year. Um, but like, there's, it's just NBA is a global game. I mean, yeah. we didn't even have to talk about the Asian markets, which I think are a huge opportunity in the next five years. Um, but yeah, Europe itself, obviously with all the players coming over to the NBA, like now obviously you take into, into consideration travel and costs and all that stuff. But if you got a city no. that's got fans, you got Paris, you got Milan, like you would have to have, you know, I don't know. You would have to have four teams expand to Europe and then have four NBA teams do a trip and play all four and then go yeah, back. Yeah, because you couldn't, you can't just like fly yeah. to Paris to play, you know, yeah. a Friday night game and then come back to Sacramento. <laughs> although, although they're bringing the, um, what's it called? They're bringing the Concord back allegedly, which is a three hour flight or maybe three and a half. No, three, no. I think you're Two and right. Two and a half or three hour flight from New York to London. That's I absurd. Go there and be back for dinner. Me Elon working on this. That's, three that's hours. So you're, you're pro expansion, wherever it is though. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I would say I'm for it or against it. I just think it's inevitable. I think it would be good for the game just to grow the fan base. I mean, the NBA wants, they're already, they're already planted seeds everywhere. They're in all sorts of countries all over the globe, you know, obviously with Africa, you know, they got the NBA Academy in India. They're, yeah. they're, they're everywhere. And so it's just a matter of time now in the States, obviously I think Adam Silver, Silver is a genius. I think he's a, he's a, he's a great guy and um, smart guy. And so if he says it's not happening tomorrow, then, you know, maybe he's coached to say that, but uh, with the, with the Vegas opportunity, with the Seattle yeah. opportunity, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it, it's inevitable. I think it'll take a little bit. Um, then you got to have an expansion draft and all sorts of stuff's going to have to be done with the CBA. And, yep. um, but is there a demand for it? I think so. Yeah, I, I don't fact, know. The thing it's, that's interesting to me is that like I feel like it seems more realistic sooner with the NFL. Yet the NBA has so much art, more I think of a global presence. Yeah, um, oh even the gosh. NFL does. 100%. Like it, it, it's it's not even close. And so I think if we're that close along that okay, London seems potentially realistic for an NFL team. You know, I get they're playing once a week and they're only playing seventeen right. weeks of the season, but the fact that that's a, a real concept. And as I don't think outside of soccer that there's a more global game than than basketball. Um, I think it's it's eventually almost inevitable. Just it's more of the timetable, which seems to be far farther along. But there's there's no doubt that there. I, I think it could it could be a success for the league. Yeah, love it. Agreed. Now um, speaking yeah, internationally, yeah, I, I'm curious. What, and I, I know Paul, you threw this quote in here, but Baba Miller um, is committed to Florida State and came out with this statement and said, there was a moment in my career that I did want to stay in Europe, but lately I decided hundred percent. I wanted to go to the U S to get better, especially physically and technically Europe is a place to compete, not to develop in the United States. If you don't play, you're going to develop in practice and individual sessions. That's something you don't usually do in Europe. It wasn't a very difficult decision for me. Now, Really interesting quote. I think you can break down in a few different ways, and it kind of goes against the sentiment that European players focus on development much more than American players do. So I'm curious, Ken, from your your experience, obviously your knowledge of, of European basketball too, your thoughts on that quote and, and how relevant it is to, to today's game in, in, in an international landscape. Yep. So I actually, I, I didn't see that quote before you guys said it to me. I think, and, and always you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. I think a uh, a quote like that could have been taken a little bit out of context. I mean, for sure. Like generally speaking, okay. In Europe, you, you teams are known for players are known for being fundamentally sound um, and developing, I guess. Right. But here in the States, it's like, there's some more of the one-on-one -on -one game and um, you know, you got to score a lot. Versus and you play, play and you play like 400 games a summer versus just doing drills. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Now I think, first of all, before we even get into the basketball stuff, you have to take a step back and think about the situation that's going on. So he is coming from uh, Spain, Madrid, right. As an 18 year old. And, and, and I don't, I don't know. I think I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, one of his parents might be from, from the UK or something, but he doesn't have family connections here. Okay. And I'm not sure if he's ever been here. Maybe, maybe not irrelevant to what I'm about to say, but if you, if you're a European and you have an opportunity to come play college basketball, if you just think of like off the court stuff for a second, like I'm not, I'm not talking about like a small, like a Juco, like get an opportunity. Like 
you're going, yeah, sure, Madrid, Madrid is great. Okay, don't get me wrong, but he's always been there. But you go from Madrid to Tallahassee as an 18-year-old. No, no joke. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, amazing campus, the weather, the celebrity lifestyle, the girls, the parties, the, all like the, you know, the cool things that matter that are, you know, perception for young athletes. Like, I can't blame a guy for that. I mean, that's no. first and foremost, like, hey, um, now, and especially with NIL, now we're talking like NIL stuff. Well, I guess, actually, I don't know, because the international stuff, obviously, international kids right now are not technically allowed to make the money. They got to like, go through a loophole because if they make money in NIL, then their yeah, then they can't. visa gets messed up or something yeah. like that. So whatever. Um, that's first and foremost. Uh, and then second of all, I think it's case by case by the player, right? So if he, if he, if a player is, is, is developed enough physically, um, you know, then, then, then maybe playing with the guys in Europe could be a better fit or maybe, but, but talking about physically, like in the States, generally speaking you're go like players are more physically fit and they have different nutrition and 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 you know it's focused on lifting weights and eating right and, and stretching and 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 getting big and strong right athletically generally speaking versus in europe it's fundamentals and you know it doesn't have to be a you know a shack type player or a diesel player it's you know like it's the it's the um it's the Jokic's, right? Like, like he wasn't, he wasn't like, I mean, he was a unit, but he wasn't like strong and chiseled and fast. And, yeah. um, you know, so that, that's my take. Like, I think again, now NBA's position is basketball and you have to be able to shoot. And so maybe part of the pitch for them was like, yo, like you're coming here and you, you're going to have a shooting coach the entire time dedicated yep. to you. So don't forget, yep. I mean, you know, fundamentals overseas, sure. But, but training, the whole training culture here in the States, whether you got a trainer, that's a real trainer or a trainer, that's not a real trainer. We don't have to talk about that, but on a college staff, you know, like you, you got, you got opportunities to hire NBA shooting coaches or college shooting coaches. So maybe that's part of the deal. Yeah. says, Hey, look, come here. You're going to compete at a high level in a high conference. You're going to get exposure. You're going to get, um, you know, you're going to be in Florida and we're going to be able to acclimate you to bring you to NBA games. I don't know. I just think that there's a lot more to that argument than what he, than, than, than what was just said. And it was sure. kind of just like said, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think you can argue both ways. And yeah. I think like Florida state too, they have a proven track record, especially recently of pumping guys directly after year two into the league. I mean, Sky Barnes, Patrick Williams, uh, Jonathan Isaac, another second. They're like, that's three guys in the top in the last five years that have been top five, top 10 picks. And yeah. so it, it is like, it's, there is that kind of that natural pathway that you can see that. Um, and I am sure obviously was, that was a pretty heavy part of their recruiting pitch to him um, is it is just a natural funnel and, and, and I don't blame them at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you show me that campus and bring me on there and show me all that stuff. I, it's an easy, it's, it's, an easy it's, it's, it's just completely again, like not to, not to be a dead horse, but there's no campuses in Europe, right? Okay. Real Madrid has nice stuff, but like, it's not college. Yep. Yep. So, and, and, and maybe education is a factor. Maybe he wants to come yeah, get a degree from, from there. I, you know, there's so many, so many pieces. It's always case by case. And hopefully he's got a good team around him to, uh, you know, to kind of guide him on that. Um, all right, man, let's shift gears another uh, one last time here. So uh, John Shire and uh, the Blue Devils are in the news again today for hiring uh, Rachel Baker, uh, former EYBL, longtime EYBL um, executive, we'll call her. She, I think she had a couple different titles while she was there. She worked for the NBA for uh, a year. She's uh, fantastic. I've had the chance to talk with her a couple of times. She's amazing, incredibly talented, really smart, hardworking. Um as the general manager, you know, so we took a baseball term, we fired it over to college basketball. Now, uh, I have always been one to make fun of titles. Uh, Georgetown men's basketball has a chief of staff. Uh, you know, is that because they're in D.C.? Uh, you know, who the hell knows? But that's probably the most ridiculous title. In, in that needs to get more play. That needs to get more play. Chief of staff, bro. Like, Come on, this the director of ops used to be everything, and then they just slowly picked a job and were like, "All right, we can we can farm this out another way." But what do you think she's going to do? I have some thoughts, but what do you think she's going to do for Duke? So, 
one thing that I actually, I, I forgot to touch on before that's a good segue into this is that, and, and it's kind of just like a, a byproduct of, of my agency and my, and my kind of vision personally, and like the shift that I'm seeing in the industry is that uh, I think I touched on it a little bit with NIL, but there needs to be yes. another, another, a, another something, another guy, another girl, another glue piece, which personally, I think I, I fit well. It's like, I think there needs to be somebody else that is, is in the life somehow, some way, I don't know exactly how of these student athletes to say, okay, and, and they're, they're not their coach. They're not their agent and they're not their family member, but somebody else that they can trust. that can tell them what they need to hear and help yeah. them with stuff off the court, help them with life stuff, help them with business decisions. Now, one argument is there's a, sometimes there's already too many cooks in the kitchen, but I will say, I, I, I think that there's another piece that's almost needed, similar to the way that I think there's another uh, position on staff needed, like a psychologist, right? We're going to start yeah. to see some of that. But segue that into the answer that, uh, uh, to, to answer your question is, I think it's amazing. Um, I'm surprised that more teams have not followed suit yet. Um, yeah. Because they're... they're there's just a need for it, especially, I mean, NIL for sure. Maybe that was like the, the, the tipping point. Right. But if you look and, and, and I briefly looked at this today, um, you know, the official announcement or whatever, it said uh, she's coming on board to enhance their personal and professional skill sets, capitalize on strategic partnerships, including NIL opportunities and work to support players in navigating the opportunities and challenges that come with being a student athlete at the highest level. Is that not exactly kind of what I was describing? Like she's 100%. there as a, and, and this is not to take away, maybe she has other responsibilities or she's going to be great at doing team partnerships or coaching or whatever, but she's a resource. She's a trusted yeah, resource. An advisor. She can, she can communicate. Um, uh, she has experience. She, she's worked with, with, with high level corporations and grassroots basketball, yeah. everything. She's she probably, she probably works with half of Duke's team on the EYBL circuit. That, <laughs> she's a relationships person. Question. Yeah. How did the, I, so, I want to know even how it even like, because you're not naturally like it's, it's oh we're trying to hire someone for this position there's a job posting like how that even came into it it had to be from those natural relationships and where are those kids i feel like from the beginning yeah it, it is it is it is from genuine relationships and it is from her putting in work that probably was unseen for a while but now is to the point where people around here maybe it was a couple of those players but maybe it was the staff that noticed it or shy or whoever be like hey we can't not have this here She's yeah. so valuable in what she brings to the table and she adds so much value to the recruiting pitch and a, and a student athlete's experience here that we need her, right? She's like, if we need her to do this done, if we need to do that done corporate partnership done, the player needs something off the court and we don't want to deal with it. And we don't want them to tell us done. It's, yeah. it's like, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm shoot. I should go start colleges. If you're listening to me, yeah, you got to go do this. Hire, hire me. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's it, it makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense. It's it's going to be uh, really interesting to see how it how it comes to fruition and if other schools follow suit. Yep. Um, all right, man. We will get you out of here on this. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Um, we always we not always, but we are trying now more than ever to end each episode with uh, the green light for a hot take. Now it doesn't have to be basketball. Can be any sport. Can be about food. For you, actually, uh, now you, you, I think you have your answer already. But travel would be a pretty good one for you, like a hot take on a travel mm. spot. Um, but you can always uh, tweet that at us later. But what is your? You got the green light for a hot take, man. It's all you. So I'll tweet that at you later because I can think of a good one. But since you since you gave me the heads up, and I I, I can't wait to listen to the other episode because I believe we did one and I can't remember what it was. But here's my hot take. I'm not a hot take guy. But I randomly was thinking last week of this situation. I'm like, this is such a hot take. So everyone's talking about LeBron and, and, and Bronny, right? How he's going to wait and Bronny's going to be in the NBA and they're going to be the first father-son and it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I think that he's going to wait for that. After that season, he's going to retire. Then, oh, wait God. for it. Oh, God. People are going to say, people are going to say, well, who's better, LeBron or Kobe? LeBron or Jordan? LeBron's going to take a year off and say nothing and then come back. He's going to make a comeback. Wow. He's going to come back Listen. and he's going to be like, look, anything you could do, I could do better. 
For a guy that says he's not a hot take guy, that is the definition. I had to say that's, that's the only hot take I have. That's the only hot that's take I have. You. I thought about it so much. Like, I don't hate it, man. I respond to me. Ian. Give, I would give, not give be surprised something. one bit. No, it makes no sense, way, right? Man. He's just gonna stay. He'll just stay until he comes, and then he's done. Uh, I know. I know way. Now no the, way. the I'm gonna add an extra layer. I don't know. I think what is it? Maybe a three year difference. What if he? What if he retires? No, he's, he's like, a you know senior. What? He's a senior, no, right? No, 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 no. Between Bronny and Bryce, what if he's like, well, oh, I got God. both. I got, I got both. Ooh, now, I, I can't play There's no favorite son. I got to play with <laughs> Bryce too. <laughs> I thought your take was going to be he's going to retire and then coach. He's just going to be the coach of the team that Bronny's on. <laughs> that would that I could see just like For forced. The first- the first yeah. official player coach. He's going to be like, no, no, no. There's going to be no coach that's on this roster. I'm going to play and I'm going to coach. Could you imagine? They would, some, some, a franchise would sign up for that. Somebody would. They're Vegas. Out, I mean, that's yeah, Vegas would. Or if Phil Knight buys Portland, it's like, listen, this is still like your number one asset. You might as well let LeBron rock for one year, see how he does. Listen, here's what's crazy about that. And like, the, the traditional media would, of course, be like, this is ridiculous. How there have been, dumpster fires of head coaches everywhere in every sport right so like you can hire somebody who you think is going to be really good and he wins nine games like lebron's going to win more than nine so you know like i don't know i mean maybe you roll the dice if if anything else you're going to get talked about on uh first take every single day every single day by some by some new talent that is bringing in heat your boy my boy (laughs) Listen, I, that's, that's, uh, I can't tell if, cause look, like I know how first take works. Like they have a topic and you have to choose a side. Like, you know, there's no nuance there. It's, it's black and white and you choose and you yell at each other. I understand it. But in the beginning, he was like way more calm and like pretty like, like logical and said, and I think just being on that show, like your blood pressure just raises. And now he's just, he just yells at Stephen A. Smith. It's like, yo, just chill. He, he goes after Look, him. He knows he's the voice of the people though. He knows I know, everybody the loves people him. behind him. Everybody loves him. It's just like, how did this happen so quickly? America's golden child, JJ Reddick. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever said on the pod before and Kevin, I don't know if you guys like there's, there is easily, no player I despised more in my childhood and growing up than JJ Reddick. And as, he is, as did the rest of America. Like, and I, Virginia kid that grew up and I'm like watching him torment the school that I thought he should have gone to in my backyard. I was like, I can't stand this guy. I've never done more of a 180 on anything in my entire life. And there's not a podcast episode I missed. There's not a take. I, yep. It's, it's crazy, but that's the, that, that's, that's where we are in society and basketball culture right now nuts hey man this is uh we, I, I like these hot takes i gotta think of some more i gotta yeah. think of some more hot takes these, 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 these conversations make the make the pod fun man i love it send us send us your uh your travel hot take when you can but uh, oh yeah i will I'll, I'll tweet that maybe maybe tomorrow i'll think of a good one here yeah all right man kevin we love you we appreciate you uh i will be on the east coast in june so i will hit you up maybe you're there you know what i mean it's like where in the world is kevin tarka is always the question hey. but you might be there just hit me. Just yep. hit me. I'll respond wherever I am. I love it. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk with you soon. Appreciate it, fellas. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.